0: Perspectives on Easter, a 1010 Thrive special. Were you there when they crucified, my Lord? I grew up in the town of Bethsaida, which is located on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. My mother would recite the words of the psalmist to us when we were children. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? You have given him dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, the birds of the heaven and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Whenever she mentioned the sea, I would think of Galilee. The sea resembles the shape of a harp, and the fresh breeze from the sea produces a very pleasing sound. When I was seventeen, I married Zebedee, who was already a well-established fisherman. For generations, the men and his family would fish in the waters of Galilee and sell their catch not only to the locals, but also to the merchants as far away as Tiberias. Zebedee and I had two boys. James and John, who started working in the business when they were old enough to do so. Both were smart and hardworking and they each had a good business sense. The business flourished and we were able to hire day laborers to help us when things got too busy. Eventually, Zebedee and the boys went into partnership with Simon and Andrew, who themselves were talented Galilean fishermen. I still remember the day I first heard John the Baptist preach. It was a hot day, and the sun was beating down on us as we crowded around the banks of the river. I had heard rumors about the strange man who was preaching repentance and baptizing people, but I had never seen him in person before. As he began to speak, I was struck by his passion and intensity. He spoke with a fire in his eyes and a voice that boomed like thunder. He called on us to repent and turn away from our sins, warning us of the coming judgment and the need to prepare ourselves for the kingdom of God. At first I was intimidated by his message. I had never heard anyone speak with such conviction and authority before, but as I listened more closely I began to feel a sense of hope. The Baptist's words were not just a warning, but an invitation. He spoke of a new world that was coming, a world where the poor and oppressed would be lifted up, and the mighty would be brought down from their thrones. I told Zebedee and the boys about what I had heard and my younger son, John, went to see for himself. Soon John and his fishing partner Andrew became disciples of the Baptists. They were at the River Jordan when Jesus was baptized. After hearing John the Baptist testify that Jesus was the Lamb of God, Andrew and John decided to follow Jesus. They spent the day with him and were convinced that he was the Messiah. Andrew then went to his brother Simon and told him that they had found the Messiah and brought him to Jesus. I was proud of my boys. They wanted to make a difference. And so they left their lives and their livelihoods behind and followed Jesus. And I saw the impact that they had on others. They healed the sick, fed the hungry, and brought hope to the hopeless. They learned so much from Jesus about love and faith and forgiveness and holiness. Jesus traveled all over the region teaching and healing and performing miracles. Crowds followed him everywhere. Sometimes, some of us women would also travel with him and the disciples, women like Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Mary Magdalene, from whom Jesus cast out seven demons, and Susanna, who was also cured of evil spirits and diseases. Each of us had resources that we gladly used to support Jesus and his ministry. as i watched james and john study from and travel with jesus i knew that they were meant for something greater they had always been ambitious even as children and i could see that they were meant for a higher purpose and so one day i took the boys with me and approached jesus i asked him if my two sons could sit at his right and left side when he entered his kingdom i believed that they were worthy of such positions they were already essential members of the lord's inner circle and I honestly believe that they deserve to be elevated above the other disciples. However, when Jesus replied that he did not have the authority to grant that request, I was disappointed and even a little frustrated. Jesus' response challenged my worldview and beliefs about what it meant to be successful. At the same time, Jesus' teachings about humility and service resonated with me on a deeper level. And after Calvary, I finally realized that true greatness comes from putting others before oneself. Speaking of Calvary, I was there when Jesus was crucified. I had been in the crowd on the first day of the week when Jesus rode into Jerusalem to much fanfare and adulation. And again, I was with the disciples on the Mount of Olives when Jesus spoke about the end of times. I went home that night wondering about the many things he said, especially the lessons he taught in the parable of the ten virgins. And after I learned that he was arrested, I was in the crowd outside the praetorium when the people began to chant, Crucify him. Within less than a week, the people in Jerusalem had turned from wanting to make him a king to wanting him dead. What a sad state of affairs. After the governor pronounced the death penalty, I headed down the route through the old city where I believed they would take Jesus. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the wife of Clopas, were with me. The streets were packed with people, all jostling to get a glimpse of the condemned man. After waiting for some time, we could see soldiers marching down the street. Jesus, bloodied and bruised, was being dragged along and he was carrying a cross. The crowd around him started to get agitated, and some of them began to shout and push. I couldn't see everything as it happened, but I could hear the sound of the whip cracking and Jesus' cries of pain. It was awful. I wanted to look away, but I couldn't. The soldiers kept pushing him along, and he stumbled and fell several times. Each time he fell, I winced. Eventually, they pulled a man out of the crowd and compelled him to carry the cross. I watched from a distance as they nailed him to the cross and hung him high for all to see. It was the most incredible thing I have ever seen, the way he endured all that suffering and pain with such grace and dignity. Even as he was dying, he managed to forgive the people who had put him on the cross. It was like he was showing us all how to love, even in the face of the worst kind of cruelty. Mary, his mother, stood at the foot of his cross, watching him die. My heart broke for her, and I am so proud of my John, who stood there next to her, holding her. At one point, I heard Jesus say to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he turned to my boy, Behold your mother. Tears streamed down my face. Jesus' body was taken down and buried before the Sabbath, and all the disciples who witnessed what happened went away despondent. After the Sabbath passed, I went with Mary Magdalene and Mary, the wife of Clopas, to buy spices so that we might anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, we went to the tomb. I asked the other woman, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance? But before they could answer, we realized that the stone had already been rolled away. We walked into the tomb and saw a young man, someone we had never seen before, sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. When he noticed that we were taken aback, he said, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. He is alive. The grave could not hold him, death could not stop him, the devil could not defeat him, and now everything has changed because of that.